Psalm 127 says, unless the Lord builds the house, the workers labor in vain. As I thought about that and have been studying this passage, there's been a very clear illustration that has popped up in my mind that we experienced here a couple of years ago. So a few years ago, we were saying the kids are getting older. We had plans to redo the backyard, right? And it never happened. And finally, we said, we've got to do this now. So 2019, we started interviewing some contractors and having people come and start showing kind of what we wanted to do. And we narrowed it down to one that we hired. And he had great pictures of, you know, other work that he had done. And we were excited for that. So the project began last October, well, in October 2019, he was from San Diego, and we realized as the process started that it wasn't probably going to happen as fast as we thought. Maybe it's, you know, the workers are spread thin over other projects. Maybe it's the drive. But one or two people would come, and those projects started going slow. They demoed things. That was the easy part. But then they started rebuilding things. And as they rebuilt things, even, my, even I, just looking at it, my wife, we don't know a lot about construction, but we're just saying, that doesn't look right. You know, you know that feeling. Just, and they would correct things and all that, but everything was being done two times. I'm like, they're not going to make any money out of this if they keep this up. But it all came to a head when they built an awning. They built this awning for us, and we looked at it, and it's one, it's not what we wanted. Two, it was smaller. And three, it was crooked. It was like leaning. You know, and so looking at that, there was a deck that they were building, but it was more like a trampoline, you know, <laughs> like there should be more braces. This shouldn't happen. And so long story short, it, what turned out is he quit the job. And uh, even though he had a contractor's license, even though there was the name of the contractor and address, it was not his. He had stolen it from somebody else, not a contractor. And so here we were, backyard, a mess. COVID is right about starting to hit, and uh, we had to figure out what to do. But I remember looking at the awning, a perfectly, well, I shouldn't say perfectly good because it was leaning, but new wood, like $2,000 of new wood, it, the wood and all that, and we had to demo it. We called in a demo guy, and he just pulled a rope on it and just yanked the thing down. The footings were the size of like a small watermelon, not the, si the size of a gun safe that they should be. And uh, it was just a mess. But I look at that and I'm like, that was all done in vain. All of that work was done in vain. It had to be demolished and redone. So when I hear this verse, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain, it's... It hits close to my heart as far as a homeowner and all that, but it hits close to my heart as a pastor. That our desire is to build people who are part of what God is doing. We want our people, you, to not labor in vain, but to be working with God, to be partnering with Him and seeing Him move in our days, our, you know, from our, our jobs, our works, our families, our education, to even how we rest at night. There's a writer, his name is William Pulmer, and he asked this question. He said, how many millions of Christians sleep and wake up like atheists? Mm. 
Let let that sit for a little bit. How many millions of people go to sleep and wake up like atheists? Meaning that, I mean, a lot of us, we go to work and we we go to school and we go to work. Uh, I already said that. Uh, We go to sleep and we do it just like an atheist. The same thing that maybe an atheist or agnostic or whatever you want to put in there, the same things that they say are the same things that we say. Oh, I'm going to go make the best of today. I'm going to go really put forth a great effort. You know, I'm going to accomplish a lot. You know, we're going to earn some money. We're going to, whatever it is. Or the same thing that an atheist would say as they go to bed. Like, well, I did a lot of good work. You know, let's, uh, let's hopefully we get some good rest. Wake up tomorrow and do some more. We are the same. We do the same thing. And that, that's concerning because I don't think that should be. And I, you probably would agree that that's, that's not what we're supposed to be. Instead of worrying ourselves to sleep, thinking if I just worry a little bit more, I'll get a better night's sleep. We know that doesn't work. Instead of stressing ourselves out and thinking if with a lot, whole lot of stress we're going to put together a big you know, project and, and make some good results, we know that doesn't work. But what does it look like for the Christian to sit there and to work with God, to not labor in vain and not to live like our lives, like a, a practical atheist, but to labor with the Lord? What does that look like? So today we're going to look at the psalm, Psalm 127. We're going to see that God is the architect of our lives. I mean, he is the one that is doing the building. And the question is, do we trust the architect? Do we trust God to build our lives, to build the church, to build all the things that we have our hands in? Do we trust God to build those things? I'm going to say God is trustworthy, and we as Christians, as disciples of Jesus, need to learn how to trust him and let him enter into our daily lives. So that's what we'll look at today. Sound good? First is, who do we trust? This is the obvious question, and you're here in church, so you're thinking, well, we got to trust God. But, but let me ask you that. I mean, do you trust him? Is God trustworthy? Some of us uh, would say, you know, no offense, I mean, love God, here to worship, but I don't know if I trust him with everything. I mean, I have prayed big prayers. I have asked big prayers throughout my life. He's not met those. He's not answered those. So let me just take things into my own hands. I know what I'm doing. I can handle this. But for all of us, would you just give me a few minutes and let me me help work through this and why God is trustworthy, why he's more trustworthy than we are, right? So God's the architect. He's the builder. He's our God, our guard, and our provider. Let's let's read these verses again. Verses 1 and 2. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise up early and you stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. So we see a few things in here. We see that God is the one who builds the house, right? The building the structure. He's the one that's watching over the city, and it's the Lord who grants rest. Right? He is the architect of our lives. And this is that kind of mindset change that when you become a Christian, you see things this way that you didn't necessarily see it before. When you are not a Christian, you didn't see God working in all these mysterious and hidden ways. 
you just saw what you were doing and you saw the effects of that, good or bad, right, successful or not, but that's what you saw. You just saw the physical things in front of you. But when you come into Christ and you come to know that the Holy Spirit is the one who has been working and drawing you into this relationship, the Holy Spirit is the one that's speaking to you and leading you and just, you know, shutting doors here and there and guiding you through life. It's God who has been working to provide protection for your family and your home and and his angels watching over you, all those things that you weren't, you didn't pay attention to, you didn't see before, but now you're in Christ, you see things a little differently. We see God is the one who's building the home, right? Unless the Lord builds the home, we, we work in vain. And so the home, I mean, is that my house? Is the Lord building my house? Well, yeah, sure. I'd say, yeah, he's building the structure of your house, right? However that fits in. But, but more so, he's building that atmosphere, that fragrance, right? The fabric in your home, Right, the relationships, the conversations, the mood or vibe, you know, bringing peace and joy into your home. It's God who is building that. He's building the home, and he's, I could say the same thing, he's building the church, right? Solomon wrote this as they were walking up into Jerusalem to see the temple, right? God is building the temple. And here in the New Testament, we see that God is building the church. He is working in this. He's building this. And, and Peter tells us some fascinating things about the way that the Lord builds. He says the Lord doesn't build with stones made out of rock. He builds with you. You, people made out of flesh and bone. You are the living stones that God is building into this transforming thing called the, the, the church. He is building it. He's not just building me and the elders and deacons, but he's building you. We're all a part of that. God is doing that. Nobody, I don't believe anybody here is here on accident. You're all here for a purpose. You're all a part of that. And as you're here, we are learning how to grow, right? Learning how to grow in our faith, how to trust him more and love him more. We do that through this, through hearing and hearing from God's word. We do that through learning from each other in Bible studies and small groups. We learn that through uh, just times of worship and, and, and it goes on. We're here to grow. We're here to transform. But we're also here to serve, to use our gifts, to give back to the Lord, to serve him. We do that in many different ways. You all have been given gifts. You all are here to serve, to use our gifts, to build up the body of Christ. So many people think about the church the same way they think about getting a room at a hotel. When I get out, go to the hotel, I give them my credit card, I, I ask for a room, and from that point on, I have no obligation to clean that room. Right? How many of you have ever gone to a hotel and cleaned the toilet and scrubbed the tub? I hope nobody, right? Because that's not what we do there. There's no obligation. You have no obligation to get a vacuum cleaner and clean the hallway, you know, from your room to the elevator. You don't have any obligation. You don't have any obligation to wake up in the morning, see the, the person right across the hallway, see their room service dishes. You don't have to clean those, right? We don't do that. That's not our job. We, we pay, we pay the money, we have a good night's sleep. Maybe we get some, uh, some perks at the hotel, a nice pool or whatever, we get to enjoy. And some people come to church like that. Now, I pay my tithe, you know. I put a, a dollar in for the, the coffee and the donut or whatever. Um, I'm good. I don't have to do anything. But we are not a hotel. 
No, we are a living church full of you. You are the living stones, and together we build this. That's what it means to be a part of the church, right? Working together with the Lord, what he's building. He's building great things. We don't want to work in vain. We don't want to do it apart from him. In no way, and I I can say this with great authority, that the staff, the elders, the church leadership, we have no desire to build a church in vain. None. We want to build this. We want the Lord to build this, to build his church, to build our homes, build our church. Same thing applies to your work and business. I don't care if you're just part-time or, you know, that you know your boss or the owner or you are the owner. It doesn't matter where you are. Letting the Lord work in you and what you do, you do for the glory of God, not to do it in vain. So I said, some of you, you would rather trust yourself than trust God because you know the plans for your life, right? You have them written out like little post-it notes, right? You have your plans that you put out like, okay, I'm going to graduate school, done, all right? I'm going to get a job. I'm going to move out of my parents' house. I'm going I'm to get married. I'm going to have children. And I'm going to retire then we're going to have great-grandchildren. That's when I do my vacations and things like that. Like, life is good. That's a good plan. Other than, you know, move out comes, you know, after a job and married and children, you know. It's not the way I planned it. Okay, we move these things around. But then we get things that come up like sickness, you know, loss, change of plans, change of jobs, moving back in with parents this is our this is how we plan our life just a bunch of little post-it notes that we put around and try to you know make something happen and this is a lot like what my architect or my architect or the contractor did he's like here's here's how we're going to build your 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 backyard but here's what God's doing God's saying all right here's the plans Here's the plans. All right, you, you, don't, you can't make any sense of this. I mean, there's things, if I'm looking at this, I don't know what these things mean. I don't know what they stand for. I don't know what these symbols and all these things stand for. But you know who does? God does. He says, I've got plans. I've got plans for you. I've got plans for the church. I've got plans for the world. I've got all of these things. I, I've studied it. I've done the math. I've done all this. I know that it's going to work. And you may not understand it. These might not make sense to you. But I've got it. You can trust me. I mean, what do you, what do you want to do? Who are you going to trust? I'm trusting the architect. The one who says, I've, I've done it. I've studied it. I know what I'm doing. I think we've all done this enough. Time to, to put that to rest. It's top to, time to stop laboring in vain and start working with the Lord. So it's who do we trust? We trust God. Why do we trust him? Why? Well, I mean, the simple answer is because we stink at what we do, right? Here's, I'll read those same verses again. Last time we kind of looked at why we to trust, but now let's look at, at, at our part. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. 
Okay, we are, the things we build are not right. They're not to code. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. We don't know what to look for. We can't see in the darkness. We don't know what's going on. In vain, you rise up early. You stay up late. You're toiling for food to eat. For he grants sleep to those he loves. I mean, that's, that's our lives, aren't they? We get up early. We're stressed. So we wake up. We wake up early and we, we get to work and we, we probably don't eat, take the time to eat healthy. We probably don't take time to exercise and do those things, but we got to get to work because we're stressed and we, we work hard and we stay up late. You know, when we, we, we drink coffee too late and then we're wired and we, this process goes on. We know that. We're not good at managing our lives. And I think of this, I just think of like, uh, you know, treadmills and ellipticals or rowing machines. What's your, what's your exercise preference? I like the rowing machine, right? The rowing machine is a great way to get some sweat, you know, to, to sweat into the oldies type thing, right? It's great for that. It's a terrible way to commute to work, Right? I mean, think how absurd. You go to the gym and you see, you know, someone dressed in a nice, you know, their jacket, they got their briefcase, and they're on an exercise bike. Well, only a few more minutes. You know, should be good. No traffic today. Like, it's absurd. But how much, that's what we do in our lives. That's what it means to be, uh, you know, laboring in vain. We're going nowhere. But we think we are. We think we're accomplishing much, but we're doing without the Lord. We're not getting anything done. So there's that. When I think of laboring, I think of two things. I think construction, I think pregnancy, you know, both of those words. And um, I've experienced the construction side. You know, you, you, you build something and it doesn't work. You know, uh, putting tile, like the, black, the backsplash, you know, you put up all the tile and you get the mud right and you put it up and you step back and then it all crashes down. That's never happened to me yet because I've never attempted to do that, but I've had many things in my life where that's the case, right? We labor in vain. Or uh, the other side, pregnancy. I mean, you know, imagine just, you know, all the contractions are there and the hurt and you're breathing and you're, you're breathing and you're doing all that, but you're pushing and nothing's coming. Day after day, we labor in vain for nothing. That's why we don't trust ourselves. That's why we got to trust God because he's the one that brings that all together. Right? We're... But we are stubborn people, and we don't ask the Lord for help. We don't say, I need help. I need you to help me out with this, right? So we just do it ourselves because we're good. That's the thing. You're good at what you do. You're good. You have, you have good performance reviews. Your boss loves you because you do good work. And as long as you're doing good work, you're like, oh, I'm doing fine. I don't need any help. But it's vanity, Instead of working with God, saying, Lord, I'm, I, I need you. I need your help. And I want your help. I want to do this with you because I think doing it together, the results are so much better. Maybe I'll still do good work, but maybe they'll, I'll be done with a heart of joy and compassion. Maybe there's some other things that can come through, but maybe you're not coming right now. We've got to learn how to work with him. You know, for me, is a, an example, to be honest, like I, um, 
going through seminary, we learned lots. You know, they taught us all kinds of things, doctrine and theology and, and all that. What they didn't, they didn't teach us about how to, to manage a church merge, you know. So, okay, we're learning that through other books and stuff like that. Um, but I remember I had a preaching class. The, the preaching class, it was great. They, they taught us how to preach. But here's what they didn't teach. And I got to say this. Maybe they did, and I didn't hear it. And maybe I wasn't listening. It didn't go in my notes. It didn't, you know, sink in or whatever. But what I had to learn is how to include God in the sermons. How many times I had written a whole sermon, step back and say, that's good, that'll preach. And then I say, Ugh, I don't think I prayed about that. I think I wrote this whole sermon without a prayer. I didn't include God. And, and so over the years, I've had to, like, learn how do I do this. And so here's my process right now. If you, this is enter the mind of Ethan. You, maybe maybe it amuses you. Um, I used to set a timer for every 30 minutes. Just put the timer on, and then 30 minutes it would flash, and then I'd say, okay, now it's time to pray. But I didn't like the timer. Like, who likes a timer? Like, there's anxiety, you know, when the timer goes off. Nobody likes that. So I brought my record player into my office, and I put on records when I write my sermon. And here's the reason. How long is a record? About 22 minutes or so. And then you have to get up and you have to move the needle and turn it off and flip it. And that's my cue. So when I'm writing sermons, every 20 minutes the record ends and that's, I get up and just like turn over the record or switch it. But to say, Lord, am I on track? Am I where you want me to be? Continue to lead me. Let your spirit just kind of work this out. And so through the time of the sermon, there's all kinds of prayers going. That's how I'm doing it personally when it comes to sermons or whatever. But how do you do that? What's it look like for you? How can you enter, like, like let God enter into your daily life so that you're constantly reminded that God is the one who's building this? And it's not that we shouldn't work. Okay, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10. This is a great verse. He says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Okay, by God's grace, this is what I got. This is what I work with. This is my intellect. This is my abilities. That's, it's maximized, all right? But that's by God's grace. He says, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, the other disciples. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. He worked hard. He got up early. He probably stayed up late. But the difference is he wasn't toiling by himself. He wasn't doing this for himself. He was working with God. He did this with God's grace. He worked hard. So don't think we shouldn't work hard. This is not a kind of a license just to, to relax and just say, ah, oh, I'm working with God. He's on, you know, this is my, my break or whatever. No, we're going to work hard. We'll labor hard. But we labor with him. So how do we trust God? How do we labor with him? What's it look like? Uh, two things, prayer and perspective. Prayer. Like, that's got to be essential. Taking the time to sit back and just say, Lord, I am nothing without you. This day doesn't get started without you. I would hope, I, what I want for all of you is like, when that alarm goes off or if you wake up before the alarm, your first thoughts are like, Lord, I don't want to labor in vain. You're building this house. And so as the family wakes up, the individuals, the roommates, whatever, that there would be peace, that there would be love, and there would be kindness. You're building this house. And as I go to work, as my students go to school, that you would build that. 
You would provide what we need when we need it. We would look to you. We would be more than just good employees and students, but we would, be, we would represent Christ wherever we're at. We've got to take time to pray that through. We also, we had a prayer meeting here uh, this last, uh, last Wednesday, and uh, it's about 15 people gathered together. This, our, our elders were there and others. And we prayed for this church, and this was a large part of that prayer. Like, Lord, we can't do this. We don't know what to do. We need you to build this. We need you to guide us and lead us. I don't think we can do this without prayer being a big part of our lives praying for our lives, praying for our family, praying for the church, praying for all these different areas. That's going to be essential. But it's also perspective. We need to have the perspective. We need to see things a little different. I, I don't want you to go to work and school and, and all that like you're going alone. Right? You're not going alone. You're going with the Lord. The Lord is with you. He's with you wherever you go. You ever go to like Costco or Target and you're, you're buying that big bulky item and you see that little sign that says don't lift alone you know don't do this it's like this requires heavy lifting this is a team in there you know the little red you know people like this on both sides lifting up together have that image let the Lord do the heavy lifting let the Lord do the heavy lifting with with kids all right there's some of you you got Three boys, there's Nerf gun darts flying all over the house and food and noise picking up and noises and sounds and smells. And you're like, how in the Lord am I supposed to, to raise these kids? Let the Lord do the heavy lifting. Let the Lord come in and be a part of that. We have that. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of areas where we need God to do the heavy lifting. I'm just, I, I feel myself, maybe it's the beginning of the school year or whatever, but I'm just drawn to our students, you know? And I, I feel like our students are such great expectations. I got to get, you know, uh, uh, all A's. I need to have a 4.7 GPA and all of that kind of stuff. And we, we're laboring and we're working hard. But have we stopped and just told our kids, like, hey, that, hey, whatever, you're, whatever, that's great. Work hard, work hard, apply yourself. But let God enter in to your studies, to your tests, to your class discussions, to, uh, to friendships. Let him enter into those things because that's important. Let him do the heavy lifting. Pray before school. Pray before those tests. Pray before all those different things. Like, let him into that. Have we taught our kids how to let God do the heavy lifting at school and in our lives? And there's so much to apply here for us. But that's two things, just prayer and perspective, Right? I want you to understand this phrase, that we work with God. We are working with God. We're not working for Him. We're not under Him. We're not above Him. But we work with Him. Let that be that perspective change. All right. Last, benefits. What are the benefits of trusting God? We learned that we can trust God. He's the one we got to trust because He does a much better job than we do, right? But also there are benefits. And here's where this psalm goes together. Some, some people read the psalm and they're like, it seems like kind of weird, you know, talking about guarding the city and all that. And there's this thing about children, our heritage from the Lord and where that all fits in. Some people say this, that, oh, they're two like different proverbs put together in a psalm. But I don't think that. And I, I think these are the benefits. And, here's, and it's not about kids, let me tell you that, all right? But about God who's working when we rest. Look at this. 
uh, at the end of verse 2, he says, For he grants sleep to those he loves. And then in verse 3, Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward for him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed are the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be pushed to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. Um, all right, here's, here's where we're going with this. What was the last benefit we see there? That Lord is working with us, and when he works with us, he grants sleep to those he loves. A powerful verse. Just saying that you work hard, you work hard, and God's got you. He's going to let you sleep well. And as you sleep, you're going to get rest, you're going to get replenished, you're going to be ready for the day. There's something really cool about that. But there's another way to translate this. Just with Hebrew to English, you know, sometimes, this might be a newsflash, sometimes there's phrases in Hebrew which there's no word in English or they're missing words, right? So sometimes we have to fill them in. But this is one a lot of commentators say, that it could be translated this, for he gives his beloved in sleep. Can you hear that? He gives his beloved in sleep. In other words, when you sleep, God is still at work. And God is at work cleaning up your mess, <laughs> uh, cleaning up the things. It's kind of like, you know, you go to Ikea uh, late at night, you, you open up that dresser and you see all the pieces and you're like, I don't have time for this. Ugh, I'm too tired. You go to bed and the morning is built, you know? Not that God's a slave or anything like that, but it's that while you sleep, God is at work and God is bringing these things together. He's bringing blessings about that you have no part in. Sounds a little bit like salvation, doesn't it? He's bringing life where you have no part into it. You can't do anything. But he says, I, I give my beloved sleep, and I'm working in their sleep. Victor Hugo, remember that name? Some of you guys who like Les Mis, he was the writer of Les Mis. Um, he said this. This is kind of cool. It's kind of like a summary of this, of this chapter. It says, have courage for the great sorrows of life. Have courage for the great sorrows of life. Have patience for the small ones. He says, and when you have laboriously accomplished your daily task, go to sleep in peace. God is awake. God is awake. He doesn't sleep in slumber. He's awake. He lets us sleep in slumber. Okay, so how does this all tie together? What's this part about children and a heritage and a, a quiver, you know? Uh, blesses a man who has a quiver full of arrows. This is, I'm going to owe this to Craig Petrovich. Some of you know him. He helped me kind of think through this this week. But when you think of sleep, people at sleep and God doing the work, there's three, if not four, images that come to mind from Genesis. Three of them good, one bad. There's, there's four times where these men in Genesis they, they fell asleep. The one bad one is, is Noah, right? After the flood, after they get off the ark, he gets drunk, he falls asleep, he's naked, his kids come in and kind of put some blankets on him, and he curses them. It's an image of the vanity, not working with God, not being a part of his program and the mess that comes from that. And there was a mess. It also shows that sin is still in the heart, not in the environment, right? But here's the other three that fell asleep and that God worked with them. Adam. 
Adam was put to sleep. God put him to sleep, and in his sleep, what did he do? He took out a rib. Here's God at work. Adam's sleeping. God takes out a rib. He fashions a woman. He makes a wife for him, a wife that they would be blessed through. They would fill the earth. They would do what God wanted him to do. They would bless the earth through children. So there's your children. But God is at work while he was sleeping. The second one is Abraham. Abraham was put into a deep sleep. Genesis 15, God says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going I'm to fill this earth with all kinds of blessings that are going to come from you. But in this passage, he puts him to sleep. He has this deep sleep. And it's then that God, he, goes, he makes the covenant. Sacrifices the animals, splits them in half, walks through as this fire pot and comes back. All while Abraham was sleeping. God says, I'm going to make the covenant. I'm going to be at work while you are sleeping. That's the blessing. Third one is Jacob. A couple generations later, Jacob's on the run from his brother. He wants to kill him. And he's exhausted. He falls asleep. And while he's sleeping, God has this image, this, these angels that come up and down. And he wakes up and he says, this is the house of the Lord. Right? And he says, Lord, if, if you watch over me, guard me. There's that thing about guard. If you guard me and you bring me back, I'm going to praise you. And several years later, many years later, he does come back. This time with 12 sons. How many arrows in a quiver? 12. He has these 12 sons that are protecting him. And he comes back to that place and he worships. Here's the point. I, yes, children are a heritage from the Lord. I think it's great. It's good. All right. But I, I think the point of this is just that, hey, you guys, God is at work. And if you trust him, if you work with him, that God's going to do amazing things even while you sleep. So it gives new perspective to uh, taking a nap. It takes new perspective to just, all right, day's over. I'm going to wrap it up, go to bed. Yeah, still more to do. I'm all the Lord work this out. And then sometimes, and you've probably experienced this, you wake up in the morning and you're like, I got it. That's how I solve that problem. That's what I need to do. How many great ideas come right when you wake up? A scientist can say, well, it's because the mind is resetting and all that. Sure. But I think it's the Lord at work saying, I've got you. Let's pull this together. So vanity. Unfortunately, I, I have so many good ex examples when it comes to labor and, and vanity. I remember we wanted to put these pots on a, a wall, a concrete wall. And I got my drill, I got my mason bit, and I started to draw. I had to do about 20 holes. And the first, I couldn't even do one. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Like, I have a mason bit, it's new. And I, after like many, many minutes and a lot of energy and some sweat, it was like a centimeter in there. I'm like, that's not going to work. I didn't know what to do. So I, I talked to some friends, and they're like, what you need is an impact drill. Go rent one from Home Depot. I'm like, what's the difference, a drill, impact drill? I don't know. It's kind of like a drill with a hammer. And I'll tell you, that, the best investment ever when it comes to that. Like, it took like seconds. Seconds. It was like seconds. A hole is drilled. Like 20 holes and no time at all. I'm like, wow, that's like, that's amazing. How come nobody ever told me about this impact drill and how the benefits of it? But I say that because I feel like that's, it brings it together. Like, 
So many of us are just sitting with a regular drill, just trying to make holes in a concrete wall, and it's not working. But we, we keep on trying. We keep on pushing. We keep on pushing. And what we need is somebody to tell us, like, guys, there's a different way. A different way. This is to include the Lord. Build your life on including the Lord in what you're building. But more importantly, look what he's building and jump in there. Stop laboring in vain. Stop trying to do all the heavy lifting. Stop trying to do it yourself. And see that the Lord is working with you. He's standing by your side. We work hard, but with God, we're going to rest well. And it's this whole different perspective of God, God working when we rest. And that's okay. That's good. Because these next few weeks are going to be a lot of hard work as we try to merge two campuses together. And yeah, they're 10 minutes apart, but it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And we don't want to do this alone. We're not going to do it alone. We're going to do it with the Lord. And like I've said before, that, you know, the Lord's timing is a lot slower than ours. You know, some people are saying, Let's, where's the plan? What's next? What's next? We'll, we'll get there. But we're seeking the Lord. We're saying, Lord, what's, what's right for us? I know what the consultants say. I know what others say. I know what the books say. But what is right for us? It might be the same. It might be different. But we're going to be working on that. But here's what I need. Like I said earlier, I need you guys. I need you all to be a part of this. This is our church's time. We're going to sit the Lord, build this, and we're going to participate with him. So we might ask you to do some things that you're not comfortable with doing. Might ask you to jump in in some ways that you haven't been before. Um, please, we're certainly asking you, please don't let anybody go uh, in this church without a smile or, or some warmth, um, you know, greeting. Um, but we got to do this. We got our work cut out for us. Um, also, we often think about the adults, but we got to think about the kids. How many kids love going into a new building? Yeah, none. Shouldn't say none. Many kids, apprehensive. So we've got a lot of kids that are going to be coming in here. We've got to provide that kind of love and care for them. And so let's not just think about the adults. Let's think about all these generations and how we can love them and serve them and care for them and how we can participate with the God. Um, let's build his church. But I'll close with this, First Corinthians 3. It says, I planted the seed and Apollos watered it. But God has been making it grow. Okay, God's the one who brings growth. So neither the one who plants or the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded for their own labor. Listen to this. But we are God's co-laborers in God's service. You are God's field. You are God's building. May God build his church. May he build your lives. May we be built on the foundation of Christ. Amen.